Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Harini Nagendra, author of the new novel, The Bangalore Detectives Club. Mystery writer Connie Berry wrote about the novel, the richness of the setting, the finely woven plot, fascinating characters, and lots of period details add up to a series opener that will keep readers wanting more. This one is a winner. Harini, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your debut novel, The Bangalore Detectives Club, how would you describe the novel? It's it's a it's a historical crime novel set in 1920s Bangalore uh, with a lot of a, a period feel, but it's definitely um, it's not a grim novel. However, it's it's closer to a cozy in feel. But it's very much set in the past and set in a in a in a time that was a colonial time where India was getting ready for independence, but didn't really know it. The British were on their way out, but they didn't really know it. So it's a time of great change. <laughs> well, I'm curious. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the Bangalore Detectives Club? Yes. So, uh, I. In my day job as an ecologist, I do a lot of research on the history of the city, the ecological history of the city. And that's something I started in 2006. And I was looking at maps and old archives. So maybe I had my head full of that. But the main character, who's this 19-year-old young woman, Kaveri, who's the amateur detective, the one of the main protagonists, she sort of popped into my head uh, in sometime early 2007 and said, write about me. And so I don't know if it was the fact that I was already thinking of the past and there was all these fascinating aside that had nothing to do with the ecology of the city, but were really bringing the past to life to me. So perhaps it was that. Perhaps it was that um, I listened to so many stories of strong women in my family, like my mother's grandmother, my husband's aunt, who's now 96, who went swimming in a sari. You know, I opened with the scene of Kaveri, my protagonist, swimming in a sari, and that's inspired by my husband's aunt, who used to do this. And so all of these things, coming together in my mind, maybe it was that, but uh, yeah, somewhere I was definitely very much in the setting. But Kaveri actually popped into my head one day and said, write about me. Well, well, I know, as you said, that you're an ecologist and I know you're a professor of sustainability in Bangalore. Um, had you written fiction before this or had you read um, crime novels or, or detective novels? What kind of made, what, what kind of like prompted you to make the leap from your day job as an ecologist to writing this novel set in the 1920s? So I always used to write in fiction, a lot of it when I was young, you know, entered the little children's writing competitions. Uh, during my PhD, I used to write occasionally short stories for kids in local newspapers. I, when I was in uh, Indiana University, I took some writing classes and I wrote a couple of short stories which got published in online magazines. But it's been a long time since I haven't written fiction. I write a lot of nonfiction, not just academic, but popular for uh, books and uh, newspaper columns. And so I had really stepped away from fiction writing, but it is my first love. It's something that I did so much of as a child. Uh, I, it was something I wanted to go back to one day. And I've always read mysteries. I love the golden age. I've read all the famous women, golden age novelists, you know, Agatha Christie, obviously, but also Dorothy Sayers, Neil Marsh, the, the whole gamut of people. Uh, I love the Miss Silvers, Patricia Wentworth novels. So I think it was natural for me to want to do something in, of that kind. But it was a learning journey. It took me 14 years to get the first book done. The second book I've got done, I mean, the draft is in now. And it took me just a year. But the first book 
took me 14 years because writing a mystery is obviously not not easy it's not something it's not like writing a short story right you have to have the whole plot figured out and it has the beginning has to match the end and you know it has to be coherent so that i was something i i rewrote the plot about three or four times well well can you can you tell me about that i mean 14 years that's a long time <laughs> to keep working on a novel did you um you said you you rewrote it three times were you working on the plot and the mystery yes so i i wanted to write a mystery novel and i wasn't comf- i wanted it to be a crime novel but i wasn't comfortable with having a murder in there and so that was the first sort of mental block i think i had to get certain to make sure that there was a murder embedded in there but uh, it went through a number of different iterations in, and uh, some of this is the fascination of the history because uh, i originally set this in 1890s india and the reason i did that not 1920s was because Ronald Ross was here and he was of course the no, later the nobel laureate for finding out malaria was caused by mosquitoes and uh, he was in bangalore when the plague struck so he played a major role in redesigning lots of bangalore so there's a lot about the health and the ecology of the city and i wanted ronald ross in a mystery very badly so i tried writing that but it was such a grim time you know there was plague and cholera and people were dying and it didn't seem like the right place uh, to create a setting with a murder of who would care about one person's death when you had you had plague you had cholera you also had uh, famines and lots of people died during that time so it didn't seem like the right setting so i moved it to the 1920s and then i had a different plot because i was also very inspired at another part of my work uh, with ecologies on maps and old maps with survey of india uh, these mappers who went and did these very, very interesting things so one plot was all about you know what happened to somebody who was doing survey of india mapping and got pulled into intrigue but again the murder and the mystery element wasn't that strong so i rewrote it a multiple times and then i i ended up with this plot and then when the version that went into my editors the version that they actually took for the book was had the same characters but the plot was somewhat different the murderer was different the person who got murdered was different and then they worked with me they were very kind enough to they really liked the characters in the setting but i i think i it was great for me to have a strong editor working with me plus my agent working with me and then we went through a few revisions so to get a sense of how to write this plot that's great so what kind of research did you do about 1920s bangalore as you were working on the novel the, the big advantage for me jeff is that i had so much research i mean I, i'm literally flooded with research because we have gazetteers <laughs> we have annual um, uh, administrative documents i have photographs i have oral, oral histories i have biographies and autobiographies i have newspaper accounts i have so much research so it's it's almost like trying to figure out what to put in and what to leave out and where to get, take the historical transgressions you know sometimes let's say i'm in 1921 and something really interesting happens in november but i want to write it in august so i take the authorial liberty of moving it from november to august or something happens let's say 3 years later and i can move it ahead or back you know so so those are the things i'm doing but i know the city and i know the structure of the city because i have everything i have the maps i have the data and i'm looking at it all the time in my day job anyway so well well you said that uh you you talked about this process of of writing your first novel the bangalore detectives club um how was it after that process and then you said you wrote the second novel in the series in just a year what what was it like writing that second uh manuscript i so i realized that the editing process was so critical for me in the first book because they not just 
I mean, I did the rewrites, but they always gave me the logic of, look, this part is really good, but this part is not working. And so what they, it wasn't fixed this way. It was, here's what's not working for us. And so that helped tremendously. And when I sat down, so the, the second book, I actually started in January. And in, in all of January, I wrote down the outline for the plot. And we went back and forth on that. And then I wrote the first draft of book two in actually five weeks. And then I went through two iterations, but not major, just in a fixing logical inconsistencies. And that's worked out well. So hopefully it doesn't seem like I'll have to do major changes with this one. I think it's really that learning curve. I did so much with my first book and I got such good editorial inputs that I, I really think I understood, you know, what, how to craft this. Because it's a learning process. And I think once you understand sure. why you do it, then you, you get a, you wrap your head around the how to do it. The second thing I did, which was enormously useful for me, was to join the Sisters in Crime and Mystery Writers of America, which are these you know, the two big mystery organization, writers organizations in the U.S. And they had all of these uh, webinars with authors. And I found those much more useful, frankly, than uh, I also did some writing courses online. Not too many, but a little bit of something and a little bit of something else. And I found it was far more useful, uh, you know, these webinars, the Sisters of Prime Ministry and Writers of America, because they're experienced authors who, when people ask them questions, they're telling you exactly what went wrong with their own books and how they managed to fix this. You know, so one of the inputs, uh, I, this is because I write so much nonfiction and my nonfiction is always to a tight word count. You know, here's a newspaper uh, editorial and you have 600 words. And if you do 620 words, Someone's going to cut out the 20 words and they're probably going to cut out the 20 that for you are the most important. So I edit myself when I'm in my nonfiction writing mode to write crisp. And that was part of my brain. I had to learn to, to turn that part of my brain off when I wrote fiction. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously are writing fiction for the love of the literature and the language and the correct placing of the word. And you don't mind, actually, if you take three sentences to explain something. And all the books I read on writing said, you know, kill your darlings. Make, if you have like 120,000 uh, words for a manuscript, you should be able to chop one third of it and get down to 80,000. And there I was with my first round of manuscript was 45,000 words. I'm you know, thinking if I chop off a third, <laughs> I'm, going to have, I'm going to have a novella. So the second book, I, could, I figured out how to turn off that part of my brain and say, you know, that, that, here's my fiction writing board and I'm not going to keep that, that switch on. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's great. Well, well, as as we've said, your your debut novel, The Bangalore Detectives Club, is out, and as we, you just described, you've written the the second um, 
novel in the series? Are you hoping to write more about your detective? I am uh, indeed, because she's fascinating. So I could go on for a long time. Uh, I'm fortunate that they've taken a three book deal from me. So I have at least a third book left to write. But I think that's just, that's such a fascinating time, the you know, golden age. Post between World War One and World War Two, you know, women are discovering their freedom. The world is changing. Like I said, it's really a, the, the times are of that of change. And so many of the issues they're exploring are issues that uh, resonate even today. So there's women's suffragettes. You know, the, the whole suffragette movement is not just picking up in the UK and the US, but it's picking up in India and Sri Lanka. And so there's fascinating stories I'm seeing in the archives of people having the con- these conversations back and forth via letters from the UK and US between and with the what they call sisters, the, the sisters in um, uh, Sri Lanka and India. You know, so there's so much in here that I feel like I could just go on and on looking at this in, in the archives. That's great. Well, well, given your, your process, as you said, it was 14 years of working on your, your first novel and getting it um, to publication. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? I think very much to get it done first. And where I was, I think, struggling was I would get it half done. And then I would say, no, I'm not quite sure this plot is going anywhere. And I'd start from the beginning again. And uh, I think it seems like every writer has to know what works for them. So I realized I am a, uh, well, it's always a standard discussion. Are you a plotter or answer? That is, do you have your plot worked out fast or you first and then start writing? Or do your characters are in your head and you see where that plot goes? And I'm a very much um, a character-driven plot person because I had the characters very clear. I had the setting very clear and I didn't quite know what, what they would do, right? And they had to show me what they would do. That said, I also needed a structure is something that I realized because the first couple of times that I, you know, when I wrote and rewrote the plot, my problem was I would go halfway and I didn't have the second half figured out. And so I'd start again. And uh, what I think was really valuable was for me when my agent came into the picture. So Priya Duraswamy, who was my agent, is also a very good friend, uh, actually a school friend. And uh, she looked at the half plot, driven plot, and said, give me the full book and I'll look at it. And I said, that's just the problem, you know, Priya, I've been writing it for 11 years and I don't have it. Give me a deadline. I work to deadlines. So she gave me a deadline. And so I had to give her the first plot, however rough it was. And so what I'm doing with my second, what I did with my second one, is I sat and pantsed it up through, you know, I had my characters and I knew them pretty well by now because it's the second book in the series. But I wrote a long outline. So instead of writing the book, I wrote like a 10-page outline saying, okay, here's my first scene, here's what happens. And then from the first scene, I went to the second scene and the third scene. I think that was very helpful. So to me, I guess the, what helped with getting the, the book done to the end is I understood what process works for me. I think that's the hardest uh, you know, what process is it that works for every author? They have to discover that. And once you have that comfort level, it's really, I mean, I could see that the second book was just so much easier. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoy? A whole bunch, I'd have to say. But uh, for sure, Sujata Massey's entire Pervin Mystery series, which is this uh, Bombay lawyer around the same time period my book is set. And she's the first, one of the first women lawyers in uh, Bombay. So that's her series for sure. Then I love Abhin Mukherjee's series set in Calcutta with a British detective and an Indian sergeant who assists him. But also a very different kind of um, uh, writing. So Katrina McPherson writes this lovely series called The Last Ditch Motel, uh, which is set in California, which has a whole bunch of immigrants and misfits, societal misfits. 
And in that sense, it still reminds me of my book because there's a whole bunch of people who don't otherwise belong in society because they're people that society doesn't think treat um, doesn't treat them well because they don't understand where they're coming from. But what she has is this bunch of societal misfit, misfits who together work brilliantly, and they get together uh, to solve mysteries. So I just love that, and I love her sense of humor because I was in California myself as a short-term immigrant. In uh, so my husband was doing his postdoctoral research then. And in 97 and 98, we were in California, we were in San Diego. <laughs> Some of the things she describes just are so funny for me because I remember the first time I came to the US and I went to Subway to order a sandwich and all the choices they gave you, or, you know, you went to a Starbucks and it was like, you want half and half, or do you want this, or do you want full fat, you want, you know, etc. Do you want decaf, do you want caffeine, do you want it mixed in what proportion, what cup size? And in India, you just go and you're like, give me coffee and they give you coffee. That's great. No, it's, well, it's, it's well, funny. Where can, it is funny. Where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel? Uh, my website, which is very simple, www.harininagendra, H-A-R-I-N-I-N-A-G-E-N-D-R-A. So that's just my name, harininagendra.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Harini Nagendra, author of the new novel, The Bangalore Detectives Club. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Harini, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was great fun. Absolutely. This was great. Mrs. Kaveri Murthy pulled out her oldest sari, nine yards of checked cotton in dark brown. She felt so excited that she wanted to scream, but that would not do. So she resorted to her usual method for calming herself down, which was to make a mental list of all the objective facts at hand which were, at this very moment, she was about to go swimming. She had not gone swimming in three years. Back at the Maharani Girls' School, she used to swim all the time, doing laps of the shaded marble pool in the courtyard. That had all stopped once she was married. Her mother had refused to let her entertain the notion, saying it would not do for the wife of a respected doctor to be seen in a wet, clinging sari. Kaveri began to realise there were a lot of things that a good married woman did not do. But she was in a new city now, her mother miles away in Mysore. She remembered herself three months back. An anxiety-ridden bride, travelling north to Bangalore to begin a life with her new husband. She had bitten her nails in the carriage and worried that he would find her too tall. Their formal marriage ceremony had taken place three years earlier. A loud explosion of a ceremony with drums and gongs which had left her with tinnitus. But this would be the first time she could call him husband, in the true sense of the word. To be able to pad barefoot into the kitchen, still wearing her housecoat, and say, Good morning, husband. Her husband, Dr. Rama Murthy, Ramu to his friends and family. Her first day in Bangalore, she had been unable to rest and did not fancy sitting in silence with her new mother-in-law. Nervously drinking cardamom tea and praying she wouldn't accidentally let out a burp or say the wrong thing. Leaving her unpacked bags at the house, she had visited the hospital where Ramu worked and encountered kind, ample-bosomed Mrs. Reddy, the wife of another doctor, who had taken her under her wing and told her about the swimming pool at the Century Club. They had been standing in the shaded veranda of the hospital, fanning themselves. What I would give for a dip in a pool, Kaveri had sighed. Do you swim? Mrs. Reddy had turned towards Kaveri, her penciled eyebrows raised. 
Oh, I used to. My home, she paused. My parents' home in Mysore used to have a large open well. My father gave us swimming lessons in it. He used to say that I must have been a water sprite in an earlier life. I used to float in the well for hours when I was a little girl. My dear, I also swam when I was young. Our male servants kept guard around the pond when we went for a swim, keeping their backs to us. Brandishing large bamboo lathis, they would swat away anyone who came too close. At the Maharani Girls' School, the Maharani, the Queen, gave us access to the palace swimming pool. She strongly believed in the importance of exercise for young women. Kaveri's face lit up as she remembered those days when she swam and studied and did whatever she pleased, unhindered by rules about married women knowing their proper place. That seemed to give Mrs. Reddy an idea. My daughter goes for a swim each Sunday at the Century Club with the Ayenga girls, she said. The Ayenga girls were the daughters of another well-respected doctor in town. In the morning, from seven to eight, the pool is reserved exclusively for the use of women. Really? This all sounded very modern and avant-garde to Kaveri, who was only 19, and the daughter of a conservative family. Of course, Mrs. Reddy said. You're in cosmopolitan Bangalore now, and we're in the 1920s, not some provincial backwater of centuries past. You must ask your husband to bring you next Sunday and join us. Next Sunday was here, and Kaveri was humming, albeit under her breath, as she removed her bangles, earrings and chain and carefully deposited them in a golden silk pouch. She took hold of her long, black braided hair and fastened it in a knot on her head. Then, grabbing the delicate pleats of fabric in each hand, she hiked her sari up past her ankles, tucking the ends between her legs and tying them into a knot under her petticoat. Catching sight of herself in the long mirror, she giggled. This style reminded her of the advertisement for Oriental harem pants she had seen in a glossy English magazine called Vogue, one of the souvenirs Ramu had brought home from London after his medical studies. She normally wore an eight-yard sari in the modern fashion, wound around her lower body, pleats fanning out from her waist, but that would never do for swimming. She gave herself one last look in the mirror and left the room. Outside the house, Ramu, waiting for his wife, was also humming to himself, You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.